Hello and thank you for tuning into the Young and Anointed podcast. This is a place for deep conversations about mindset, stewardship, and the development of a relentless pursuit of your passions. This podcast is a Sky Media production, and we hope that you enjoy the show. Thank you. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Young and Anointed podcast. My name is Martel Fletcher, and guess what? <laughs> Good morning, <laughs> or whenever you're listening to this. My name is Karen Hubbard, otherwise known as Queen K, and I have my mm. camera on today. <laughs> hey, hey, back. So Woo. glad to see ya. So glad to see ya, Karen. So today, I know we started off with a whole lot of excitement and a whole lot of cheer and joy, but guess what? We've got a very depressing topic for today. Jeez, jeez. This is episode number 22, depression as a Christian. Boom. Now, some people, some people might think, what? Those are contradictory. How can you, how can you be a Christian and depressed? Like, you know, God has everything, right? And he's just taking care of everybody all the time and everybody should just be real happy all the time, right? But that's not the case. Look, we live we live here on earth in real life and so things happen here in real life now we don't fight against you know people you know we're not worried about everything that's happening like immediately in the right now but we do have battles against what what is it principalities and powers there's a lot of bigger things happening around us that we don't see or fully understand that cause us to struggle and so just because you're here, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to have issues in life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Karen just so happens to be in the midst of a storm. And I felt like, well, she she came up with the topic and I feel like it will be something special to give somebody like a to give to give people this perspective on, you know, going through it like how 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 she's going through it how she's how she's successfully making it how she's still handling everything that's going on in her life because you know just because trouble came doesn't mean that everything else that she needed to do stopped you're right <laughs> so, so let's go ahead and dive into it so karen martel could you you like Maybe two two minutes ago, you were telling me you were going. You were telling me something. Could you just roll that back and give me a summary of pretty much what you were just talking about? Absolutely, yeah. So two minutes ago, we were kind of talking about what depression feels like, and you gave your perspective, but mine was it feels like swimming through syrup. And I want to be clear that I'm swimming through synthetic syrup. So like the syrup you get at the store that's like actually corn syrup, it's that one, not the real maple mm. syrup because fake syrup is stickier than real syrup. So it feels like swimming through syrup. You're moving, but you're not actually moving and you're putting all this energy into moving, but you're not actually going anywhere. It feels, it feels as if you're not producing anything. And I, I wanna put an emphasis on the word feels because if you're alive, you're still growing, you're still moving. It may not be in the correct direction, but you're still moving. But when you are in a depressed mindset, everything feels against you. Um, and it's a very difficult mindset to not only apply logic to, but to, understand that you need to get out of um, because with what I've learned in my in my season of this depressed state is that um, honestly what you don't tend to will also grow and mm. I felt like even though like I wasn't actively like doing anything to become more depressed because it wasn't an option it's, it's not fun I didn't was like oh let me go get more depressed but when you actively don't work against it, it it's something that kind of grows almost like a cancer, to be honest. Um, and it just felt like my negative thoughts were metastasizing into catastrophes like in my brain. And that's when, you know, the things that we talk about in my church, for example, we are at war with the unseen. And I have quite literally had a very, I'm still in a very real war with the unseen. 
um, and it's more than my emotions. Um, so I've been very careful to kind of articulate and almost like perform spiritual surgery on myself with like separating my thoughts versus Satan's thoughts because, oh my gosh, the idol, like the idol, the idol mind is a devil's playground for sure. And I was telling Martel actually before this, um, he had shared a couple things with me and I was like, yeah, you know what happens? Like when you don't proactively protect your spirit, it's vulnerable. It's left vulnerable. Um, and there are enemies seen and unseen out there that want your spirit 100%. Like you are always actually at war. There are literally things waiting for your spirit's guard to go down. And how you keep that guard up is like, for me, actively staying in the word, praying, surrendering, surrounding yourself with positive people. And like just those three things out of like a few things that Martel shared, I was like, hey, guess what I'm doing? None of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing none of that. And in a previous episode, Martel, I don't know if you remember, um, but I was saying that like, you know, it takes work to stay where you are. It takes some active work, at least in my experience. I'm not talking about anybody else who's listening. For me, it took work to become depressed. It really did. It took actively not growing. It took actively not surrendering. It took actively minimizing God's impact on my life um, and deciding to not take it to him until it was not too late, but until like I was... <laughs> At a really bad thought. It was like as if like there was this growth on my neck and I was like, oh, it's fine. Like nobody's going to see it. And like it just grew into this giant thing. And mm. then I'm like, oh, hey, God, can you help with this? And he's like, why didn't you come to me earlier? Like, you know, I know how to fix growth. And I was like, I thought I could fix it myself. So mm. I was doing before because I feel like Martel may, may have some thoughts. So I'll pause here for a second. But um, I. I do this thing more often than I should, or I shouldn't at all, but I do it way more, way more often than I thought. Um, I try to handle small things, quote unquote, small things before I take it to God, because, excuse me, I feel like I'm wasting God's time with small things in my life. And I never admitted that to myself. I was like, why do why do I view myself that way? And then I went into like this spiral, of like, is it a self-esteem issue? And I, I personally have never had self-esteem issues without like my outward look. Like, I think I look great. I think I'm amazing. But in terms of like how I view my spirit, what is the esteem of my spirit? So that's the current journey that I am on. And I say journey because it may end tomorrow um, and it may resurface later. But for right now, um, I'm assessing the damage that has been done by um, letting my guard down and um, having a lackluster faith that also spilled over into like my life. And I forgot that my faith is my lifeline to everything, not just my purpose, but like the way that I live, breathe and function. So that's the synopsis. Got you. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely you, you released a lot of information right there, but like, I just want to go back to the beginning of, so how did, how did it start? And did you realize that it was starting or did it just like, man, this sucks? Or was it built? Was it was it built over time? It definitely built over time. And I think that um, I honestly want to say the roots of it started a couple years ago and I just never dealt with them. I never uprooted those things like I, um, I kind of let the weeds grow with the roses. And I was like, oh, it's just a few weeds. Like, I'll just I'll just spray it, but pull those up later, you know. Um, and I never did. And because those roots were never addressed, they may have looked small at the time. But like, you know, the iceberg, the iceberg effect, like where you can see the top of it, but you can't see it underneath in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was like that. So I want to say, Martel, like some of the some of the thoughts that I'm, deal I'm dealing with, um, I thought years ago. And now they're just louder voices instead of whispers. Um, so I want to say that it, I want to say that some of the thoughts that are contributing um, to my depressed state right now started a while ago, but the actual like declination of my spirit and my energy, I want to say started honestly, like in March of last year, in March of last year. And I've kind of been like drowning since then. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you say it's like, you, there was one point where you were talking about how 
the we're not going against you know people right and then mm -hmm. the things there's demons there's spirits that are out to really get you so yeah the way i imagine it is so like you're you're on the move i i, I picture i picture this this dark place right you're just chilling and then the the enemy is just creeping around here just waiting for you to get that guard down and as soon yeah. as the boom yep. comes at you yep and so that's the situation that you feel like you're in you were that's attacked. it yeah that's it. It, it it it's it's interesting because like um i like how you said the word creep it he didn't just like sneak in overnight it was small seeds planted over years that i just didn't notice that were adding up and then shoot last march my man's my man satan put the miracle girl on them seeds boy mm. <laughs> um he planted those seeds and then waited he waited for the right circumstances to to really germinate those seeds and provide them with nutrients provide them with despair provide them with um, missed opportunities provide them with all of these things for them to grow bigger inside my mind to the point where those were taking up more space than the work I was doing to build my faith. Um, and I want to I want to emphasize that like it was taking up more space because you may always have negative thoughts. You can't control what comes in your mind, but you can control what stays there. And I felt like for a period of time, I lost control of what was staying in my mind. There was just things coming in and coming in and coming in, and I was like. I, is this me? And the answer is no. I know that now, like, it's not me. Like, that is Satan. It is not in my, it's in my nature to be wicked because we are humans, but it's not in my nature to consistently deny my spirit. That's not who I've defined myself as who I am. Um, yeah. So I was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't me. This is just Satan um, masking all of my, not, I don't even want to say insecurities, but I guess doubts and fears. And then putting putting my lovely face over them and be like nope this is you and i was like oh mm. so when did when did you realize that when was the point where you realized you know what this isn't just uh, a funk i'm depressed yeah um when did i realize it myself or when did i start telling my circle because those are two different when did you realize it yourself i realized it myself in september of last year, September 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll let you know that though. <sighs> I was unexplicably tired. Unexplicably tired. Um, so after after this time, like I had had COVID for the second time, which definitely contributed, like having COVID twice definitely contributed. Um, oh, no, I don't want to say September. I want to say November. And that was after my first surgery. Yeah. Yes. November. Yeah, November for sure. Um, what let me know that is just like I I had no no excitement or joy in me. And I say excitement because I think excitement is something like more like a stimulant, like an emotion. Um, but joy is something that is eternal, that shouldn't be able to be robbed from you because it comes from God. Um, when you realize certain things. And when when you when you stay and you meditate on um, the goodness of the Lord, that's where joy comes from. And I could not find it. I couldn't mm. find it. Um, and naturally, that took away from a lot of things. It took the joy out of getting up in the morning. I was no longer appreciative of life. I'm not saying I didn't want to live, but I was no longer appreciative of life. Life is a gift. I was like, this doesn't feel like a gift. Like, why do I not feel like it's a gift anymore? Um, so a series of thoughts and realizations that I had to kind of come to grips with, I was like, okay, I have never been here before. And then it took me a while to even accept that I may need help, <laughs> may need help. Cause it was interesting Martel because Martel's more familiar with my background and some of the things that I've been through. So I'm thinking back on all the things I've been through and I was like, wait a minute, those were worse than where I am now. Why Why am I so low? Why can't I get myself up? I got myself up from X, Y, and Z. Why can't I get myself up from this? Like, what's, what's the difference? Because in my mind, the things in the past 
are worse than what I was presently facing. So I was like, okay, where where's the warrior that was present during those battles? Like, where is she? And um, yeah, that the worry that I was in those times was out of circumstance of trauma because I had to be. But like in this case, I guess it didn't feel like trauma. I'm still trying to figure that out, but I've accepted that I was a different person then and I'm not that person anymore. Um, so yeah, November, mm. 2020. Cause I remember that. I remember there was a, there was a different energy that you, yet you came with when we would talk, there was just, there were certain things that you would normally do that you were not doing mm -hmm. during that time. And I'm like, something's off mm -hmm. stuff. What's going on? And you could see it. I mean, you could see it, you could hear it, but you were not well during that time. Nope. <laughs> And so, yeah, no, like it was crazy. But um, I want to go back to what you were talking about, and you were saying that you could hear it was you, and there was the enemy, and mm. trying to you you had to separate the two. Yeah. Um, how do you know who is who? How do you know who's talking? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Who? So, I. I don't know if I forgot. I didn't forget how sneaky the devil was, but he was starting to make it personal. And I, when I say personal, it he would he would talk in such a way in my mind and like through different things in my life, and I would perceive them to be me because Satan was definitely masking a lot of those things to be me. Um, as far as telling the difference, um, I just had to go back to my creator. What, who am I created in the image of? Um, why am I here? And like, thankfully years ago and like over the years, I've been spending a lot of time reflecting on who I believe I'm meant to be um, and the and how Satan is going to attack me. Like I've, I've written about how I think Satan is going to attack me, like where my weak points are, how he can sneak his way in. So I kind of, I started to be able to like have that that gift of discernment by sincerely listening and taking those thoughts captive instead of just accepting them. I had to like, sincerely, I'm, I'm so serious. I had to have like a court in my mind <laughs> and there was a perpetrator and I forget the term for the other one, the perpetrator and I defended, I don't know, but the two sides and then the judge. And then I'm sitting, I'm sitting at the, on the, the stand and I'm like, your honor, I don't think this is true. And then like, you know, the other guys argue like, no, I'm this, this is who you are. And I was like, you know what, um, order in the court, order in the court. I don't think, <laughs> I do not think that this is Karen Hubbard. So uh, you're, you're going out, buddy. So it would get like, you know, sent out of my mind, but I had to start really thinking about my thoughts and thinking about the origin of those thoughts and thinking about where they may be planted in. Like I had to be, I had to sincerely work the muscle of discernment because if you're not careful, you'll accept everything that comes into your mind. And for a period of time, I was, and it brought me down because you can't do that. You cannot do that. So I started to be able to tell the difference um, just by uh, really leaning into my gift of dis discernment, um, which is an old muscle of mine. That's an, that's definitely an old gift of mine. Um, and just taking every thought captive, literally, quite literally. It took a lot of energy, but at the time I just had to return to basics and just be like, okay, is this thought my own? No, it doesn't belong. Is this gotcha. thought mine? Okay, yes. Why is it here? Where did it come from? You know, that's that's really interesting because you know, I talk about and I talked about I've talked about with you like off offline about a lot about controlling what you consume. Yeah. And I think that is an extremely important because what influenced what well what entertains you trains you. And that came from a mm -hmm. dude named Justin. But like what you let in, it, it become it becomes part of this thought pattern. If it jumps into that subconscious, it goes out into your actions, and mm -hmm. that's who you become, and that's who you are. You know what you think about, and so I think of my mind as like a a nightclub, right? And this nightclub, there's a front door and there's a back door. There's only two ways in. There's no windows in this place, okay? <laughs> and so it's as strong as it's as strong as your security. There's one man at the door. And that one man at the door is your consciousness. Mm. And so 
there's a line, there's a line that wraps around the building about of things that want to get in. Okay, there's all kinds of stuff that's trying to get in, but if it's not on the list, then it can't get in. The bouncer has to regulate who gets in and who doesn't, right? So you might have like uh say, say, say pornography comes up to the door, right? Pornography's dressed, well, not dressed. <laughs> Pornography's not dressed. Comes to the door, says, yo, hey, let me in. And the bouncer, your consciousness is looking at the list. And if you actually have, though, if you have thing, if you have standards, if you have things that you will allow and what you won't allow, mm -hmm. then there's a list and they'll be able to determine if it's allowed in or not. Mm -hmm. And if it's not on that list, and it's like, hey, my man, you got to go. got to go. <laughs> no. But say it, it, the bouncer says you got to go, but uh-oh, wait a minute. Sometimes some of them things are sneaky. They get around the back door. They jump in. Ooh. <laughs> and now every time something that's negative or something that's going to lead you in the wrong direction makes its way inside of the building, the, the building as a whole gets weaker. Mm -hmm. So if you think about the story of the fox and the three bears, you got the, the different kinds of houses, right? So you got, it might've started off as a steel, straight up steel building. Then you got brick, then you got wood, then you got straw, mm. then anything's coming into your house. Yep. <laughs> and then when it when everything comes in, you see what the weaker the building is, uh, the easier it is for it to be destroyed. Yep. So, now a, a, a tough wind blows and now everything that you thought you had, everything that was going on, everything that was solid in your life is now blown away. Yeah. And now anything can run through there with no problem. So I think every time that the bouncer at the door uh, blocks something that's gonna keep you from getting to where you need to go, that's gonna keep you from having that building being stronger, the building continues to grow. The building grows and gets stronger. So now, so I like to say that that my not my building is a steel trap. Like you can't you can't get in. <laughs> you, the, I've I've gotten rid of the back door. <laughs> I've gotten rid of the back door, and now it's a very small window because you can't fully get rid of it because you know stuff is happening all the time, and you can't just predict everything that you're gonna see. Mm -hmm. But I, I, it's it's a small window now. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's crazy because like it's just like who's who's talking, mm -hmm. man. You watch something and all of a sudden you start thinking a certain way, mm -hmm. right? There's there's certain thoughts that are coming through your head and you're like, how did you get in? Yeah, <laughs> get in. literally. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like I'm trying to. I I feel like I do my best analogies like through like metaphors or like movies, but like no, like I had to think about. Wait a minute who's in the driver's seat right now? And I look into the driver's seat and it's like a zombie or like a monster. And I'm like, whoa, whoa stop the car, stop, stop the, the car. car. Like, and the enemy's like, it's too late. And like, at one point I was like, listen, I will crash this car and kill us both. <laughs> I, I will, like I you think will. I won't. You, you think I won't, huh? You really think I won't. And I had to, I had to regain, regain strength and confidence that I'm worth the work. I'm worth the work to come out of the rut that I'm in because it was a rut. It was seriously a rut. I was almost, there was, there was something I heard and I don't want to misquote it, but it was something along the lines of um, the only difference between a rut and a grave is how long you stay there. Hmm. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't have time to like stay in here. Like I was like, I can't, I can't stay in here. And then the fight began to really get out of it and not try, but work to get out of it. Like it took work. Like I was having to withdraw from other things to have the energy to get out of the rut that I was in before it became a grave. Because if you stay somewhere for too long, you're going to decay. And that's exactly what depression is. Um, for me, it was separation. It was death. It was quite literally death. Not like death in the sense that, well, honestly, I was about to say not death in the sense that I was dying, but like there were points I really felt like I was dying. Like I feel like my light was dimming. I felt like I was killing my relationships by like not putting time into them, um, romantic and friend and family. Like I was like, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm dying because death is separation. 
death is simply just separation, simply put. And Satan had a full-fledged war on my mind to separate me from my lifelines. And it's possible. And I, like I was, I think I might've mentioned this earlier, but like, I felt like I was personally not capable of being depressed. I was like, I've been through too much. If I was going to be depressed, it would have happened there, there, and there in my life. Because those were some low points. Yeah, I'm getting at the camera. Those were some low points. So if I was going to be depressed, it was going to be during those times. But apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. Because you grow and evolve and you change, but what also has to grow and evolve and change with you is the way that you armor up your mind. I like, yeah, like I put, I put steel um, barriers and enforcers in there two, 10 years ago, but that doesn't mean you can't just assume it's going to hold. You have Maybe. to, yeah, you have to continue to pour into them and strengthen them and add layers and layers and layers as you're working with God through new things through new things. So, yeah. But the building needs maintenance, for sure. The building, the building needs maintenance. I was not I was not tending to it in the way that I should. I was honestly kind of adopting I was honestly kind of like adopt adopting the lackluster faith that I saw around me, like not like in my immediate circle, that's not what I'm talking about, but just like doing the basics, like praying over my food reading reading a verse every now and then like you know doing a bible plan like you know my weekly bible plans and you version praying praying sometimes but not really fully surrendering and i was becoming more ignorantly independent on myself well yeah i would pray i would pray every now and then but i wouldn't really surrender or give things up and this has really taught me that like i don't know how to surrender things like what what does it mean to surrender something do I just like pray it off and then it's gone? No, I don't. I don't give up things very easily, which is good in some cases, but bad in others. In a worldly context, you cannot like to fight. I I don't I don't give up my faith very easily. Um, I don't give up on situations very easily when I feel like I'm right. Um, but in this sense, it it was it was a weakness in the sense that I couldn't surrender anything. I could I could not surrender anything. And, so what does it mean to just to surrender something to God? To surrender means to turn it over, <laughs> to give it up. It means to fully give it up, to not contemplate, to contemplate, sure, worry, no. Um, I felt like I was safer if I just kept it to myself so I could like check my own thoughts, worry about it on my own time, um, rather than give it to God because I saw I saw my issues as minuscule. And that's not true because God has made it clear that he cares about everything that happens to you. Every creeping and crawling thing he created and cares about. He cares about your problems. He really does. And like, I wasn't even perceiving my own problems as problems. And that was a problem. So, yeah. So what does it look like to give something to God? Like, is that, is that, okay, I got an issue. Um, pray that my elbow stops hurting and then just sit there. Or is it like, what does that look like? For me, I think surrendering means you are giving up your right to worry about something. And worrying is not even a right because worrying in itself is a sin. But when you surrender something, it means that you are surrendering control. It means that you are surrendering control over the outcome. It means that you are surrendering I just want to I want to say everything. I sincerely want to say everything because the things that I was holding on to um because I was holding them to myself I don't have the capacity to hold on to everything. Nobody mm. does. You cannot hold on to everything. It's going to build up over time no matter how small, medium or large it is. Um but as far as what does it look like? So for example, there was something that I was sitting on for a while and in this sense I was surrendering like at the last minute before it was gonna honestly break me. Um, and I was like, okay, Lord. And I didn't, I wasn't super dramatic. Like I didn't need to drop to my knees, but like I just sat down and I took a deep breath and I prayed on it. And I was like, you know what, God? 
I just admitted everything. I was like, I don't have control over the situation. I don't have the wherewithal, the wisdom to deal with this. I don't know what wisdom in the Bible to pull from for this. I don't know who to talk to about this. I don't know who to give this to. So I'm gonna give it to you because <laughs> I know that you're gonna do something positive with it because I have done nothing productive with it. I have thought nothing productive surrounding these thoughts. I have done nothing in terms of pulling a lesson from it. And like, that's what I try to do with everything, pull a lesson from it. And I was like, I don't see how this can teach me anything. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give this to you and I'm not gonna think about it. If I do, I'm gonna start praying about it because I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want the burden of worrying about this. So here you go. For me, it takes a lot of affirmation and prayer. It takes a lot. It takes a lot for me to surrender something, but I feel like it looks different for everybody. But I think the bottom line is surrendering means to give it up, like to release it, to release Does control. Does that mean you stopped working on it? Say that one more time. Does that mean you stopped working on it? No, I did not stop working on it in the sense of pulling a lesson from it, but I stopped worrying about it and I stopped catastrophizing what would happen if I didn't solve this? Because when I feel like I've, when I feel like I can't figure something out, it it doesn't, it's no longer a hot potato, it's a burning potato. And like, it feels like it burns my hands to hold on to it because I wasn't meant to do that. I'm human. I can't, you cannot do that. <laughs> you can't do that. But hold on, what was your question? So I don't get off track. I was asking about like one, what it looks like and do. So like when you give something to God, does that mean that you just completely no. release it, forget about it? Or are you still actively doing something? Okay. So to answer that, I feel like it depends on what it is. Um, for me, I always push myself to the point where I have exhausted every resource that I, that I have access to, um, to be able to figure it out on my own which sounds really bad because I, I feel like I, I was trying and doing things without God and without his, without his wisdom. They were good things, but they were, they were draining me. And it doesn't mean that you stop working on it. In some cases, in some cases, you just have to let people, things, processes, businesses, <laughs> there are some things you just have to let go. It doesn't mean that you have to stop working in that direction. If it was a positive one, because there are some positive things you have to let go because they're just not for you. They weren't, they aren't within the scope of what God wants you to be focused on. So you have to almost sharpen your focus, but I feel like it depends on what it is. It depends on what it is for me. I think in my case, um, I didn't stop working on those things. I just stopped stressing about them. I was stressing more than I was working. Um, and stressing about something is just, punishing yourself for something that hasn't happened yet. And that's what I was doing. I was I was creating this unhealthy cycle of like, okay, here's a problem. What do I do with it? What what if I'd never figure out what to do with it? What if what if just all this what if? And I was working, but it was against myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So like for example, in that case, I wouldn't stop working towards it, but I would change the way that I work instead of stressing it would be actual work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's huge because, you know, we're supposed to be surrendering at all, at all, all the worries. We're supposed to be 100% followers of Christ, meaning that everything, everything that we could possibly worry about is in his hands. Exactly. So like, just like before, I mean, and, and also we, it's not like you just, you have to surrender, like just ginormous things that are like life altering. I mean, I surrender the uh, the con these conversations to God every day. <laughs> every every Tuesday, I say, "Look, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Speak through us." And I pray that what I pray that the conversation. I pray that we're just the mouthpiece for you. Mm -hmm. I pray that we can speak. You can speak through us, and then whoever it's going to affect, I pray that it touches them exactly where they are in whatever situation they're in. I let it go and I and I just walk on over here, turn this bad boy on, say good morning, and we get to it. <laughs> and I believe that what's supposed to happen is gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Because you remember at like the first, the first in the beginning of this podcast, I'd be after this show, just be like, oh man, I don't think we did it. I don't think we did it today. <laughs> and then 
I'd be concerned about it. I'd be really concerned. Like, oh man, we didn't give enough. Yeah, we didn't have enough value. Uh, this was not a good one. We're gonna have to come back Tuesday uh, and be better than this. But it's like, look, it's not. It's it's not me. It's not up to me. I don't know what everybody's going through. I don't know who it's gonna touch at what time. I don't know if this is just gonna be recording and then a year later someone's gonna stumble upon it and it's gonna mm -hmm. touch them right there in their situation. Mm -hmm. Out of my hands. It's not my. It's not. It's not my business to know how all of that works together. Exactly. Yep. So my role is to just be a good steward. Yep. Work. To just listen. Yeah. Follow directions. <laughs> and get and, and and do what I need to do. But Karen. Yes. In the beginning, you talked about if you don't work against it, then it grows. Yes. If you don't work against it, then it grows. Mm -hmm. Could you explain that a little bit more? The enemy is always active. He does not sleep. He don't need food. He don't need to charge up. He's just going. He is simply going all of the time. Ridiculous. <laughs> Literally all of the time. And because he is going all of the time, he is consistently searching for ways to trip you up and to kill you. To kill you while you are still alive, while you are still living, living and breathing. He wants to disconnect you from your lifeline. Because he is always working and because you have to be awoke to that, to that, to that reality, to that fact, if you do not work against him, by strengthening up the, the confines of your mind and by clarifying what you are here to do so you are grounded to something, he will work against it. That is his mission. <laughs> that is literally why he is alive to cause death and separation. The bad death, the bad death, which is separation. And what I'm learning is is that no matter what, you are going to grow every day. Whether it's in a positive direction or in a negative direction, you are going to grow. And because there is work being done against you, unless you are combating it equally or or not even equally, because if you if you do it equally, like um equal forces cancel each other out, where does that leave you? It doesn't leave you anywhere if you're doing as much work as he's doing. So you have to outwork the enemy to be above him. You have to outwork him. So like, let me, let me say that again. If you're doing nothing, absolutely mm -hmm. nothing, to work against Satan, he is going to overtake you, period. If you are doing just as much work as Satan, and he's a hard worker. The enemy is a hard worker. Don't get me wrong. The enemy is a very hard worker. If you're doing just as much as him, you're going to cancel it out. So where does that leave you? It leaves you nowhere <laughs> because equal forces cancel each other out. When you see like in the movies, like where you see like the enemy and like the, the superhero coming at each other and they just bounce backward. Mm -hmm. Nothing has happened. One of them might die, which is really weird. Anyways, but unless you're overworking or outworking, not overworking, unless you're outworking the enemy, you cannot you cannot defeat him. You can't do anything. You can't put him in his place. So I I have I have a very medical mind. I say medical, not morbid, because I don't think I'm morbid, but some people perceive this as morbid. So I apologize if you perceive this as morbid, but this is the best way I see it in my mind. But I honestly see the enemy like a cancer and you have to keep cancer in check because what a lot of people don't understand is that cancer is actually life. Cancer is life that is fighting for life inside of your body. And you cannot have two vessels, cancer in the human body that are fighting for life in the same place because one of them is gonna lose. Mm -hmm. One of them is going to lose. Cancer is not death. It's actually life. It's trying to protect itself and prevail over your body. It's working against you. It's quite literally working against you. But how do you how do you fight cancer? 
you, you fight cancer by not only mentally living above it. So that's how some people beat cancer. Like, yes, they still physically have cancer, but mentally in their mind, they have overcome the, the death that is associated with cancer. Um, but it's just, it's just work. It's, it's work. And you have to understand that there is always work being done against you. You can't stop because <laughs> when you stop, you drown. Another another metaphor I have is just kind of like, it feels like swimming. You can't just stop swimming. What happens if you stop swimming in the ocean? You drown. You drown. <laughs> Good job, Barto. You drown. Thank you. But I don't know if I answered the question, but like, those are just kind of the thoughts that I came to my head. Like when you said like, what kind of, what happens like if you like, if you don't work, it's work. Mm, yeah. If you don't work against it, you said it grows. If you don't work, you immediately go back. And, you know, another thing that I want to point out in that, like just to add on is, you know, if you get to a point where you've, you stop fighting, you've went backwards. Mm -hmm. uh, what's even worse is when you get to a point where you, where you don't even think anything's going against you. I think that's really when you've lost. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because like yeah. you, it's one thing to be in the battle. It's like okay, you, I'm fighting for something. There's, there's, there's a goal. There's, there's a. I can perceive what success looks like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But on that other side, where you've lost, you've lost the battle. One, and then you've gotten so far away, far removed from it that the enemy has put you in this place where you don't even think that he's against you. You just, you're just living. <laughs> you're, you're just out here. You're just out here right. on the block. Out here on the block. Just doing, just doing what you think is life, and it's like, no, there is an enemy. <laughs> there is an enemy. Oh, that's this, isn't, this isn't just, you know, you, you. This is look again. We're not fighting against person to person. Mm -hmm. That's not it. That's not it. And when you, when you, when you forget that there's more things at play you're in bad shape <laughs> you're really in bad shape at that oh, point because then small things become large and big things become unimportant and it's like uh-oh now my priorities on is is on what brand i'm wearing to the yeah. store yeah. what i'm consuming on a daily basis right so i'm more concerned with if my polo if my horse has two people on it versus one and that's what causes me to get into a fight. That's what causes me to cut somebody off on the road. That's what causes me to just do any sort of outrageous thing because something so small became big because I lost perspective on what the real battle is. Ooh. Ooh. It's crazy. Martel, don't ever let me get there, bro. Don't ever let it happen to me, bro. So let's talk about... <clears throat> How can we stay, how can we stay ready? How can we make sure this building, how can we make sure that we're fighting? How can we make sure that the building is staying strong consistently? You know, if you don't, you said, you like you said, if you don't work on it, you're gonna be losing, right? You don't work on it, you're going to be losing. So let's talk about the daily actions to make sure that you are maintaining this and, and winning the fight, essentially. Um, I've got nine. I've got nine daily actions. It came from uh, church. I go to Word of Faith. Uh, Pastor Bishop Butler, he gave us the nine actions. He was talking about uh, a major move of God. But I think these nine actions will keep your, your faith strong because, you know, faith comes by hearing the word continuously mm -hmm. and, and staying in that space. Because, you know, with, what, what entertains you trains you. So if you stay in the word, then understanding it's going to start training your mind. And that building that we talked about earlier is going to be stronger. So the nine actions, he said, one, have an attitude of no fear and no worry. Like we, we were just talking about that. You, you can't, you can't, you can't sit here and be considered and concerned about every single thing that happens. You can't, you can't say that you've given it to God and be worried about it. Still, you haven't given it up. It's still in your hands. If you're worried about it. No fear, no worry. I literally, I don't worry about things. And I think there's literally, literally nothing. Karen knows it. And I, it took it took a long time to get to this point, but I don't, I don't concern myself like with 
what's going to happen? And I'm like, no, nah, it's going to, this thing could go wrong. Cause you know, fear essentially is just, uh, it's just our imagination predicting something negative that could possibly or probably unlikely happen in the future. What's up? Karen, you got a question? <laughs> you, in the, you in the front, you in the front. You with me. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It's an it's an acronym if you write it out. You see that? Oh snap. Oh snap. <laughs> Boom. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So yeah, don't do it. Don't have no attitude of fear or worry. Two, speak only words of victory. We talked about self-talk. Look, if I'm talking about me winning, then I'm gonna believe that I'm winning. Look, because the way that the subconscious work is works is if I continuously say this thing or if I continuously meditate on this thing, then it's gonna just become a part of my thought pattern. So if I'm always speaking victory into my life, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm gonna go to this place and I'm probably gonna lose, or I'm gonna go talk to this person, they're probably not gonna like me. I'm gonna go into this place and I'm probably not gonna meet anybody. No, I'm think I'm thinking I'm going to go into this room and whatever's supposed to happen, God's will is going to happen either way and I'm going to win. The outcome is going to be my victory. Period. And whether I can see that immediately or not, I know that all things are working for my good. So, I have nothing to worry about and I'm only going to speak victory over it just so that I can train my mind to understand what God already has for me. You know what I mean? So, step 3 set yourself apart from the ways of the world. What does that mean? That means, look, uh, Mr. What is his name? What is his name? He said is uh, Earl Nightingale. He says, oh man, the conclusion of what he said was conformity is the most dangerous thing that you can do on this planet is, is to conform. Essentially, he was talking about like, one, you can go, you, this is the analogy of the fish. You got all the fish that are going in the same direction, all swimming together. Uh, but in reality, in terms of people, we weren't all meant to go in the same direction, do the same things because, you know, every fish, we ain't, we don't all look the same. We're not all built the same. So that other fish right here, he should be going in this direction, but he's too busy following the crowd. He's never going to get to where he needs to go, where he was meant to go. So... Conforming to the ways of the world is only going to lead you in the wrong direction. But also another thing, too, is, look, if you're only going by the ways of this world, then you've probably forgot that there is more bigger things that are at play that you don't see and that you don't understand. So going by the ways of the world won't lead you to anywhere good. Nope. It can't. It can't. <laughs> it just can't. <laughs> but did you have something? I seen you put your mic up. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add that um, some of y'all need to file for divorce <laughs> from the ways of the world. <laughs> file for divorce, get it expedited. Okay, there is there is no more marital counseling you can do to fix that relationship with mm -hmm. you and the ways of the world. Get away from it. D divorce, divorce. Go to the court of your mind. Okay. Yeah. File for divorce, get it, get it popping. It's gotta go out. That marriage is over. Out. Over. There it is. So four. Sow financial seed. Sow seed. You reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. Look, give. It's good to give. It's important to give. You get into the. We talked about how the the servant's heart last week. So I ain't gonna get too much into it. But listen. Listen to that <laughs> and also give because it trains you. It will train your mind to be more of a servant. And then when you give, you get more joy. Mm -hmm. There's there's one thing about getting. It's like, oh, this is cool. But when you can see the effects of you giving up your time, giving up your finances and it, how it impacts someone else and makes someone else uh, someone else's life better or you can see them more more happy or you can see joy that comes from it that's where that's where the real benefit is so give five seek the word daily 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 faith comes by hearing the word six 
draw away to pray. Jesus did it all the time. You hear this dude, he would he would leave the groups, the crowds, go pray, come back and hit him with some fire, hit him with some bars straight from the source. That's what he did on a regular basis. So so and if you if you think that you don't need to draw away to pray and Jesus did, you're fooling yourself. 7. Follow peace with all men. That's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> don't be getting no fights with people and don't be holding no grudges on people. Just, you know, try to be at peace because you don't know how things could affect people. You don't know what the situation is that might have led them to whatever might make you feel like you don't want to be at peace. So mm -hmm. just try to try to resolve things. And it probably ain't that big. If you really put it into perspective, it probably ain't that serious. Eight, understand that how God does what he does is none of your business. There's a lot more working than you know, than you or I will understand. Whee! So uh, play your part. It was Dude, hot. Play, play was your role. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then let, let, let God do the rest. Nine, always, always walk in the love of God towards others. You don't know what love is. We got an episode on that. So. <laughs> Walk in love. So summary, this the nine, fast. One, have an attitude of no fear, no worry. Two, speak only words of victory. Three, set yourself apart from the ways of the world. Four, sow seed, give. Five, seek the word daily. Six, draw away to pray. Seven, follow peace with all men. Eight, understand that how God does what he does is none of your business. Mm. Nine, always walk in the love of God towards others. There you have it, people. That is the episode today. This was the Young and Anointed Podcast, episode number 22, Depression as a Christian. My name is Martel Fletcher. And my name is Karen Hubbard, otherwise known as Queen K, who still has words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. You forgot. And give those words of wisdom. Thank you. Karen's words of wisdom today is God does his best work with broken people. Mm. One more time. God does his best work with broken people. Jeez. Do you feel, do, do you happen to be one of those people who like, <gasps> feel broken look yeah. there's a there's a there's a, per, there's a there's a creature in the universe <laughs> in and out of the universe that you can go to to take in your worries and your brokenness it'll help you out okay boom that's the words of wisdom for the week that's it Again, that's it and that's queen k right <laughs> queen k <laughs> dope thank you all for being here uh we'll see you next week Peace. Peace.